We're continuing on to part two of our book study, Hope, an Invitation by Sister Josephine Garrett, and we're discussing chapters three, four, and five. We're going to talk about discernment. We're going to talk about um, community life and being in right relationship with God. And we're also going to end it with some of our favorite saints. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to Life Beyond the Chariot, a faith and family series from the St. Philip Institute. We believe we are called to not only know, but also to live the truth of the gospel within our homes, in our workplaces, and beyond. We believe we are invited to encounter Christ in the messiness of day-to-day life and to live as his disciples. Friends, we are continuing our series uh, on Hope and Invitation by Sister Josephine Garrett. Uh, If you did not watch part one of our discussion, we actually had Sister Josephine with us. It was such a great conversation. And uh, when we were setting up for that podcast, um, Elizabeth Slayton, our director of communications, was like, there's going to be a lot of laughing. So (laughs) be careful. So go back if you're going (laughs) to laugh. Right. Um, And we did. We laughed a lot. Uh, It's such a good book. So Um, We encourage you to read along with us, even if you're not reading the book. Hopefully this conversation will bless you. But I'm just really This book could not have hit at a better time. (laughs) God knows what he's doing. Right. right? Always. Later we'll talk about the the divine providence of God. Always giving us what we need when we need it. Um, So today I'm excited to continue the conversation with you. We're going to talk about chapters three, four, and five over some of the reflection questions, share our hearts, lay yeah, it out there. Well, sharing. It's gonna yeah, be great. I love, love that. <laughs> I love it. All right, so chapter three, that's the one on discernment, yes. correct? Yeah, Perfect. so really the topics, I guess we're going to be going through our discernment in chapter three, community and relationship in chapter four, and then the saints in chapter five. It's like so, cream of the crap. I know, right? Good so stuff. I'm looking forward to it. Um, I do want to read, though, the opening part of chapter three, because I think it's so great. And I think when we talk about discernment, I think this is one of those. um, I don't even know if you would call it a skill, but like the ability to really discern and to listen to the voice of God. um, This is really important uh, in our life as as Catholics. And um, so I just want to spend a little bit of time sort of starting off how she started off this section. Here's what she writes. If God is the giver of the gift of even the breath I just drew, then his presence is not only constant, it is quite intimate. As we slowly surrender hope that is of this world, which is a self-reliant hope that relies solely on the extent of human power, we have the option to embrace something more. This is a process much like surrendering worldly hope is a process. Discernment has the acute ability to take us to school in this effort, but from my experience, this occurs in stages. And she said she talks about the three stages of discernment. But I wanted I wanted to to look at that because one of the things she says is that um, it gives us the opportunity to embrace something more, like mm. this process of discernment. And we'll talk about the three stages in a minute. Um, there is something that we are missing in our relationship with God if we don't work on this whole process of discernment. Um, because it's beautiful and painful, and she goes through all of this in the chapter. Um, but let's talk about the first three, the first three stages of, of discernment that she mentions. The first one is sort of the basic, being able to discern between good and evil. Mm-hmm. The second one is uh, discerning between two goods. And then the third one is um, seeking for the transcendent in the midst of our ordinary life. So mm-hmm. discerning the very gift of the nearness of God. 
And um, so I kind of want to break those down a little bit, if you're okay with that. Absolutely. I actually think what makes discernment so hard nowadays is that there is so much confusion Mm -hmm. on what is good and what is evil. Mm -hmm. Like evil things are being are being presented as if this is really good. Right. And some good things are being presented as um, you don't need to do that. Right. Like that's not good. Right. And so I think that that's what makes getting to stages two and three sometimes seem impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's your experience. Uh, yeah, I and I can see how like discerning between good and evil is one thing, and then not to zoom ahead, but even like discerning between two goods, how how you can also get stuck there um, mm-hmm. because it's like, well, I should just do all of the things, especially when it comes to ministry or the appearance of like, well, God wants me to do this and this and this and this, and then we get stuck in busyness. Um, so yeah, it's kind of just a mixture of, of all. So it's nice to see. Yeah, and I actually, I kind of feel like, and please tell me if you disagree, I feel like we can't get to really stages two and three unless we're good at one. So Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a building block. So if we can't choose between or discern between that which is good and that which is not, that then we're almost stuck. Right. And seriously, my heart breaks um, for people who are not getting the truth. They're not like being presented with the beauty of the gospel. Like this is good. Increase this. This is not good. And even though it's good. Yeah. And even though it's hard Mm -hmm. to remove that, um, those evil things from our life and to distance ourselves from that, um, that it becomes much harder to do the other, the other two stages or to work through those stages of development. Um, because one of the things she says in this book is like there is grief in our discernment, whatever stage we're at, mm-hmm. um, that we say goodbye to evils that once comforted us. Mm. Uh, we say goodbye to some goods for other goods. Um, we say goodbye to things of this world um, to be in the midst of Christ. And so there is a grief there, and I think it's okay to acknowledge that, that there is... Um, we as humans who have emotions, when we experience grief, it's not a good thing to just like stuff it. Like we have to like process process it. Like this yeah. is something, yes, um, maybe I was in some sort of lifestyle, had a habit um, that was sinful. And then even if I know that it is good to move away from that, it's okay to acknowledge that there is grief there, that this is really hard. Um, but it doesn't, I mean, to recognize that there will be grief in I think almost any process of discernment, right. any stage that we're yeah, at. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes and just being willing to open ourselves up to that and be like, okay, it's going to be okay to cry. Exactly. <laughs> it's going to exactly. be okay to miss exactly. those things that we actually know intellectually are bad for us that work on our relationship with God, but but to give us give ourselves some mercy and grace as we sort of move through these processes. Exactly, yeah. exactly. One of the, and I meant to like highlight this, I remember reading it the first time and think like such a good visual. We live with one foot in the world and one in eternity, awaiting the redemption of our bodies while an immortal soul animates each of us. And she goes um, into like her semester in Rome and, and how that really brought to light this discernment between good and evil. But like to think about how there is a tension there and sometimes for myself, I know that I can get very comfortable in the comforts of living in the world and not 
recognizing that like we are called to something higher Mm -hmm. and like you said that there is like once that realization does take place that there is like this letting go or or experiencing the tension of the two of of living and like we're made for something more but at the same time we're living in the reality of um this carnal flatless yeah just facing the 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 things that we do um in this world but knowing that again like we're just called to to something higher um yeah anyway yeah. <laughs> one of the things i want to mention is actually this has been brought up at a few sort of speaking engagements that um i've been to is that when people are asking like cuz part of the discernment is being able to hear god's voice um to know what he is, he is calling you to and <clears throat> this is really just to address number 1 cuz i think to address number 2 and 3 um someone who's going to give you guidance on this would need to know your life a little bit more mm-hmm. But someone once asked me, well, how do you how do you hear the God, the voice of God? When we're talking about stage one, which is discernment between good and evil, God has already definitively spoke on many, 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 many things. Yep. Um, we see it in sacred scripture and we see it in the tradition of the church. So those things, um, those teachings that the church has, has given us um, through the Holy Spirit, through scripture and tradition, that is an easy way to discern um, the difference between good and evil. Mm-hmm. Like consult those things. Um, those things are not up for de- for debate, right. right? A teaching of the church, a doctrinal teaching, dogma. Um, those aren't like, oh, I don't like that one. Right. Um, so I would say like, if there is something that you find it hard, like go back to the catechism, talk to your parish priest, go to scripture, um, knowing that the church, that Jesus has already spoken definitively on uh, matters of faith and morals, that we have so much already of distinguishing between good Mm -hmm. and evil. Now, the tension that exists, too, Mm -hmm. is like recognizing, like assenting really to the faith, like, okay, I'm feeling like this is really hard, (laughs) (laughs) but I am going, and this is what I think is so important, I'm going to trust the bride of Christ. Yep. And that's really... um, now that's hard because we talked about surrender last time right. with Sister Josephine. Um, that that surrendering because there's this tension. Like exactly. I may not be feeling a certain way, but if God has spoken a certain way, and again we have those in sacred scripture and sacred tradition, we just need to ask God, Lord, help me. I know that this is Your truth. Help mm-hmm. me to have my will and my heart align with the truth that you have right. already spoken. One of the things that we talk a lot about in our marriage formation retreats, uh, the three to get married retreats, like we, we cover a lot of different things, but we do cover like some heavy things like, um, you know, being a total gift of self means saying no to things like pornography and fornication. And then we get into stuff like contraception and, um, yeah, like living together before marriage and things like that. And by the time we get to the end of the retreat, you know, we, we're talking about fertility awareness and natural family planning. And one of the things that I always tell the couples is I recognize that some of this stuff is hard. Like the teachings of the church are hard. But if you find yourself in that tension of, I don't know if I can jump on board with this, that it is much better for you to wrestle with the teachings of the faith and to acknowledge the tension that's there and the mm-hmm. discomfort and to keep seeking answers than to just say, well, obviously I know better than the church. Like, 
obviously the church doesn't know what she's talking about when it comes to my sexuality or, or anything like that, or the church needs to stay out of my bedroom, that even in those most intimate parts mm-hmm. of our lives and in our marriages and the day-to-day stuff that maybe we don't think is a big deal, when the church has spoken definitively, when Christ has spoken definitively on all of this, that there is that surrender mm-hmm. and that there is a reward in being able to, and we may not see that immediately. We may not experience the peace that comes from trusting the church. Like we're, we're definitely not saying, you know, just trust the church and everything will be perfectly fine immediately, but eventually it will be, even mm-hmm. if it isn't until the other side of eternity, like that, like you say, you're saying it so well, Mickey, that if, if God has spoken definitively on these things, we can trust his bride. We can trust um, you know, the guidance that the church gives us and that 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 we will be accompanied through that tension. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Absolutely. No, and I think I think that the more that we live and the more experiences that we have, like even just the past three years, just like in personal life like things that have happened, especially the death of my dad. Mm. Um so many and with covid because it was all of that stuff crazy there was there was so much like i thought that i was good at surrendering i thought that i was good at trusting until like you said those sort of very intimate things Mm -hmm. about um what we're experiencing in our life like those are actually for me i don't know if this is for everyone those are the hardest for me to like lay down because i feel like they're the closest to my heart and and when I try to explain to others why certain aspects of whatever mm-hmm. process of discernment mm-hmm. or things going on in my life, or why it's difficult to surrender or trust, I want them to understand so much my point of view um, so that they can really get why the tension is so strong. And something that for me personally that I've come to realize is um, I don't think any human person can ever really understand and and there was a i would say a grief that i experienced when i realized that cuz even in my closest relationships and friendships and even with my husband who i think is an amazing man that there is a part of of me that he just will never really be able to under like fully mm. understand and when i started to um when i decided to stop like trying to like yeah. I want you to understand. I want you to, yeah. I want you to get it. I yeah. want you to empathize with me um, that I really learned to place so much more in the hands of God that I didn't even know I was withholding. Like, I just didn't know that. And there has been um, something very beautiful and painful. I'm not going to lie, but there has been something very beautiful at, you know what? The Lord knows and I finally came to a point where I was like, and I'm okay with that. Mm. Mm. Where I didn't feel the need to like keep presenting my point of view or my yeah. perspective. Like I, I'm the, the Lord knows what it is that I'm struggling with. And I felt that he was calling me to this. Okay, well, you have a choice to make in your discovery of this. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Are you going to... Um, blast it from the rooftops are you gonna is it gonna be in solitude are you gonna keep trying this whole method of trying to have people understand this tension that you're experiencing Mm -hmm. and to i don't know you may want to ask my friends and my husband i think (laughs) i've become more silent not because i don't think that sharing those things is not important Mm -hmm. but i've come to realize like 
when I when I do that, I'm putting a lot more trust in the human person um, for that understanding that I deeply want that ultimately just comes from God anyways. Mm. And so I would say my life has taken on a, a more like solitude or, or peacefulness than I had ever thought. But it was, I mean, it was tough getting there. And it's still tough sometimes, but I still experience that tension. Like yeah. there, there's a grief in, there's grief about like either this situation didn't turn out like I liked yeah. or or this relationship kind of what I, I'm really striving for. Right. Um, it actually is never going to be what I really want because right. what I really want are those those gems of the relationship with Jesus. And yeah. he's like, actually, Mickey, that's for me. Yep. That's for you no, and that's, me. That is a, a 10 years into marriage, and I feel like I'm just now getting to the early, early, early stages <laughs> of realizing that my husband will never know me as intimately as Jesus does. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... And that's kind of like a mind blowing because like no, he's supposed to be able to see like he's supposed to like read my read mind, mind. <laughs> and my heart always like we're two become one flesh so <laughs> like surely he knows why I'm mad but even like the spiritual things too mm-hmm. that that they're supposed to like our spouses are supposed to understand like those deep corners of our hearts and there are times where it's like ah Jesus is really gonna be the only one that's that's gonna be able to see that deeply and that's okay. Yeah. It's it's okay. And it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Yes. Absolutely. So we could probably spend like a whole yeah, bunch we of could. time on <laughs> We already have. I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, oh man. Every time I watch our podcast back, I'm like Mickey, please stop talking. Please stop talking. And now I feel like I hijacked half the episode. No, it's okay. What you're watching is faith sharing between two friends. So we're, yeah, we're going to take our time, but we do have to to move forward. So yeah, with some of the other, what other pieces of the discernment process did you want to to focus on? Um, Well, I guess, uh, well, I don't know now um, without taking up too much time, but I did want to say too, like when... um, I mean, ultimately, we want to be able to to discern the the nearness of God mm-hmm. in all the things, in the storms, in the peace, and the joy, and the grief, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when we get to the when we have to discern between two goods, mm-hmm. um, like that can be hard because mm-hmm. for me, um, even if I I had struggled with the teaching of the church, I'm like, but someone has told me this is. Yeah. This is allowed. This isn't. Yeah. This is a sin. This isn't. And yeah. I'm like, okay, well now I just have to accept. When it's between two goods, I think that that's a little bit more challenging because there's not really a right and wrong. Right. You know, it's two goods, right. and so um, how does one go about sort of discerning between mm-hmm. between two goods? Mm-hmm. And does this where she talks about the grief in discernment, like that if you're saying yes, I'm thinking of page thirty three. Where she's talking about like there's a little grief and discernment first we say goodbye to evils that we have made our comforts in order to choose good and then it gets harder then we surrender some goods to pursue other goods and mm-hmm. um and even just acknowledging like in the school of discernment like some people stop at this point because like and don't continue on because there is pain to saying no to marriage and yes to religious life um, or no to religious life and yes to marriage. Like there is a there's a grief there. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm in the right like stage two or stage three. No, I think you're but, right. But the fact that she does say it does get harder. Mm-hmm. Like when you get to stage two, mm-hmm. it does get harder mm-hmm. um, because you could probably see where um, be, because it's two goods and two things that could be very pleasing to the Lord. Yeah, that at sometimes the answer doesn't seem as clear, and so. 
I would even just say in, in those in those moments, um, like just really making sure we're immersing ourselves, immersing ourselves in prayer and the and the things that Sister had talked about, like spending time in Scripture, going to adoration, going to confession, receiving mm-hmm. communion, um, praying our rosary. Like uh, we've really got to be grounded in those practices if we are trying to discern between two things that that are good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's helpful, but yeah, that's the... no, that's excellent. That's <laughs> excellent. And I really love that all of this, of course, goes back to, you know, discernment being a school of hope and uh, like this call to come back to the present moment, that God is the God of the present moment. And I think that's, that's a theme that comes all throughout the book. We talked about like the slow work of God mm-hmm. and that God is moment to moment. And then sometimes I think it's on like 36, 37, I know in my life where I have thought about discernment um, or like as a young adult or a teen thinking like, well, what is my vocation and what if I choose the wrong thing? (laughs) And just having this like panic, I think, over am I going to land in the right spot Mm -hmm. and then getting married and having children and thinking like, well, I'm done discerning. But actually, (laughs) there's this ongoing discernment and I think even in ministry or especially in ministry and in our vocation like primarily our vocation um, as wives and and mothers that we we have to discern like what is the will of God for my for this individual child and this child and this child over here and then for our family that's definitely been a theme for us over the years is like really discerning like where is God leading us the decision to move here to the Diocese of Tyler But even like as we look long term, like, will we live in Tyler forever? Will we (laughs) move on to something else? Like, I don't see leaving the sexist, but who knows? But I know that sometimes people can get very caught in like one, this panic of like, am I discerning correctly? You know, if you're a young adult or, you know, am I thinking long term enough? And um, I, I highlighted this quote today when we dwell on the past or preoccupy ourselves with the future we have departed from the great gift bestowed upon us to be like god we only encounter god in the present moment that like god is right here like breath to breath moment to moment and to have that awareness i think gives us a better appreciation of the movements forward that like I don't have to have panic about the future or I don't have to wonder like, well, what's going to happen next? Because God is the God of the, of this breath, this moment right here. Um, and that's not to be, you know, like wishy-washy or um, like that. I don't know, like the fluffy, yeah, fluffy. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> fluffy faith. Like, oh my God, it's the God of the present moment. Like everything's going to be fine. <laughs> like to acknowledge that am I having a hard time discerning what's next? God is in that. God yeah. is in that discernment. Am I having a hard time like even wrapping my mind around like, how are we going to get through the school year or something? Like God is in yeah. this moment and he encounters me like where I am in my journey. Yeah. No, I don't remember. Actually, this might kind of be in the next section, but I think it's really good and it relates to what you're talking about. It does talk about like um, being in right relationship with the providence of God, which Mm. I thought was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is um, we can tie into this discernment discernment piece um, is that I think what you're what you're trying to say and what sister says so beautifully, she says that. like, do we trust God? Are we in right relationship with mm. his divine providence? And she had said that that means like abiding peacefully in abundance without grasping 
and then living in humble circumstances without fear. And that is a sweet spot that mm-hmm. um, I don't know if anyone ever like gets that in every single moment. If you have, I'd love to know your secret. <laughs> um, but that idea that, um, and she says it somewhere else in the book, I don't remember exactly where, but she says, really, we are always in a posture of receptivity. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. everything we have, even if we think we're just giving something to God, it's because it is first a response to his love and his action in our life. So everything um, like we're receiving. So am I opening my hands like this and just ready to receive whatever God wants to give me mm. without saying, I want that. I, I want don't that. want that. Or I like, want I don't yeah. want that, you know? <laughs> yep. So to, oh, to not grasp yep. and to not That's fear. Hard. And that That's is fairly really hard. hard. And I think we find, I find myself um, in both of those places uh, of grasping and fear sometimes and like having to sort of, um, recenter me like, okay, God, but you are. Help me be in, in mm. right relationship mm-hmm. with you and your providence and your guiding hand. Um, and I think that that's really important. I heard this homily one time. I promise I won't take up too much time. No, you're good. Um, and uh, it really made me think about this. And this is something I think Sister Josephine presented in her book. Well, this is constant reflection on our relationship with God. And this homily talked about um, how are we really near to God that sometimes we can have this... Um, untrue unrealistic view of how close we are to God and he sort of explained like pretend you had this cabin and right like 500 above that is a cliff but 20 miles there's this like trail that mm-hmm. leads from over here to the cabin or this um, cliff mm-hmm. that's you know 500 feet and he says the person on the cliff may say I'm close to the cabin, mm-hmm. but they can't realistically get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are on the path, even though you might be 20 miles away and you're just starting, the person on the path is actually, in reality, much closer to their destination than the person on the cliff. And that made me think a lot. I was like, I need to have that always on my mind. Like, do I have this perception of mm-hmm. my nearness to God? Am mm-hmm. I on the cliff or am I mm-hmm. on the path? And having that ability and and, uh, the humility to sort of sit with that, like, Lord, um, am I on the path, even if I've just started 20 miles back, or am I on the cliff and I think I'm close to you, but Mm -hmm. I can't actually get to where you want me to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Might just be a good thing to reflect on often. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because it doesn't matter. I, I know for me, sometimes I can think of like, well, I'm involved in this ministry and that ministry. I go to this parish. I'm checking all the boxes. So clearly, you know, I'm in right relationship with God. But the reality is I'm not. <laughs> and I need to readjust. So, yeah, that's a good image. Um, thanks. Well, the priest gave it to me. I don't even remember who it was. I was doing a mission trip over like one summer and it's just one of those homilies that stuck with nice. me. I don't even remember who it was, but no, that's okay. Um, all go right. to community. Yeah, we should go to community because we spent a lot of time on chapter three, <laughs> okay. but I think it's good. It's good. Um, in chapter four, she talks a lot about relationships and being in community with each other. And she starts off by talking about how um, God is a communion of persons, the mm. Father, Son, mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. We're made in that image and that we don't make sense if, we're, if it's not in the context of communion. Yep. Communion with God, communion with each other. And this is one reason I love being Catholic, is that we have this family of faith. We are united in doctrine, in creed, in worship. Um, And I think that that's so beautiful. And and really leaning into that, leaning into uh, community, leaning into the gift of the Bride of Christ, um, and recognizing that we have an important role to play in that. And Mm -hmm. she leaves leaves the, the question of like, 
for us to ask ourselves, how am I called to be a gift in this situation? How am I called mm-hmm. to make a gift of myself yep, to this particular person, yep. to this family, to this community, to this situation? And um, I just thought that was a beautiful. Oh yeah. If you have heard Sister Josephine talk, uh, if you've heard her give a talk, you have probably heard her uh, reference that quote from Gaudium et Spes 24. Um, where it talks about like this likeness reveals that man who is the only creature on earth which God willed for itself cannot fully find himself except through a sincere gift of himself. Um, and if you study like theology of the body and things like like you've heard that quote a lot, but it's so, it's so easy to forget that like moment to moment relationship to relationship that we are called to be gift. And I'm also called to see the gift of other people mm-hmm. and that can be harder to receive sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to see the whole body of Christ as a gift sometimes, but but the beauty of what happens when you do mm. rec- like start to, to change that lens, because um, I think even in ministry, like it's so easy to look at like, well, what can that person do for me? Or um, thinking of it more as like a transaction mm-hmm. um, instead of like how yeah, like how how am I called to be gift, but how am I called to see the gift in all these people, even if I don't agree with all these people, yeah. uh, even if we have different views on the liturgy or Vatican II, <laughs> like, um, like I'm called to to really see the gift of um, of this diverse um, group of folks, and um, and I think we we see that we're like I think we see that in the Diocese of Tyler. There is a whole. We have so many different people here from yeah. all over. We have I feel like I I meet a California refugee like <laughs> every week and um like some of that can feel overwhelming sometimes is like I don't who are these people <laughs> who are coming but to realize like oh man like okay God has is bringing in this, these people from over here and these people from over here and our community is changing but that there is gift in that, yeah. that that I'm called to be gift to them, but they're also here to bring gifts. And when I think about like how our work has been impacted mm-hmm. by some of the new faces that um, and new families that are that are in our diocese, that that is refreshing um, to see how how God has has moved that. And I I think for me community. I didn't realize the importance of community until COVID when mm. all of that was taken from us. So yeah, I feel like I'm a, com- a community uh, convert <laughs> um, over the years. Like I do need other people and maybe other people need me, maybe. Oh, I know I need you, Deanna. <laughs> <clears throat> One of the things I love hearing Sister Josephine talk about is her community of sisters. She has such a love for her sisters. Mm-hmm. And you see it when she comes in, in uh, the way she's, she talks about communal life. And one of the things that she had, had talked about with community is she says, um, <clears throat> it is a crucible of joy, life and community. Yep. At the very end of the day, it is always joy. <clears throat> there are conflicts and then joy. There are tears and then joy. There's hard work and then joy. There is struggle and joy, sickness, infirmity, death, and joy. And I think just realizing that um, that our community is um, like we have our small community of like our families, mm-hmm. and then hopefully you have a really strong community in, within your church. 
Um, and then as you keep sort of yeah, going diocesan out, community. but there is, there is joy in all of that, even if there, even when, not if, even when there is conflict and fear or confusion yeah. or, yeah. um, or disagreements that at the end it is always joy because God does work in and through the joys, the sufferings, the conflict. Um, but we do have to give him room to work. We have yeah. to like lay it at his feet and yeah. just like, okay, Lord, this is my situation. How can I be a gift? But this is a conflict and I'm really struggling. I want to receive from you. I'm not going to grasp and I'm not going to fear, but guide me and yes. teach me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. I want to make sure we have time to go over chapter five. I think it was one of my my favorites to to read through because it talking about the the saints mm. um, and how um, the saints uh, like befriend us and sometimes even like she says the saints we love and befriend in many cases choose us long before we choose them. They join God in his pursuit of us. And I know in my faith journey, I can look back and see how like certain saints have stalked me or <laughs> how they have kind of made their, their like given me the wink. Um, uh, yeah, just throughout my journey. St. Faustina is one of those for me. Um, but yeah, the stories that she tells in this chapter are really, really good. And like how she chose the name Josephine and, yeah. and all of that. But who, do you have a saint that, has been pursuing you along with God? <laughs> um, yes. Uh, actually, it's St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. Um, and this has been something, it, it's actually going to get brought up more next time. So uh-huh. don't miss out on next time. We're t- going to talk about like um, how Sister chose her mystery. And we'll, yeah. uh, at her final vows, we'll talk a little bit more about what that means next episode. But um, something that I have been really drawn to for quite some time, and I don't really know why, was the Sacred Heart. For years, I had no idea that St. Margaret Mary was a devotee of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and received visions and um, of Jesus. And she was very holy and very devout. Um, but she, in her sort of um, understanding of what Jesus was trying to tell her, her requests were not were not met. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they were kind of pushed aside. Um, but she... Um, Jesus was asking her to to frequent communion more often because they didn't they didn't receive like they definitely weren't daily communicants mm-hmm. back in I think it's like the 1600s, <clears throat> um, and as part of a religious order, a holy an extra holy hour on Thursday night was not part of their um, communal life of prayer. So she mm-hmm. really had to ask for these things, and at first there were people who were not sort of behind her. They were um, skeptical of her the validity of her visions of Jesus. And she just said, um, basically, the Lord is asking me for um, to receive Holy Communion on first Friday of each month, have Eucharistic adoration, um, a holy hour on Thursday nights, and to celebrate the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Mm. And even after she passed, there was still debate about all of that. And I just keep thinking, um, I have been drawn to the Sacred Heart for a while. And just about three years ago, I read a little bit about St. Margaret Mary Alacoque, like a little biography of hers. And I was just amazed at how much I noticed about her and her resilience and her confidence and what God was speaking to her um, and her ability to not waver like this is what I'm asking because this is what Jesus is asking of me. And in the process of reading this book and even in conversations with Sister Josephine, this Mm -hmm. idea of uncovering how God has has been reaching out or how saints Mm -hmm. are pursuing you. I could go on forever, but I'm trying to save those for next episode uh, about how um, 
how she has, um, I feel, been pursuing me. Um, we had got married at Sacred Heart Parish. Oh, that's awesome. Um, it wasn't like that's the one church that hired me as a youth minister, you know. So right. I'd applied to a few places. <laughs> and I've just really grown in my love for the heart of Jesus. Mm. Um, and it's become like I'm really working on a tr- what a true devotion to that looks yeah. like. And um, your family's done like the enthronement. We did do the enthronement. Um, our homeschool is called Sacred Heart Academy. Love it. Um, but so many things that about her life are um, almost there's been a, like an explosion of God just like pouring all of this stuff. Now that I've been intentionally like, okay, this Sacred Heart keeps coming mm-hmm, back. St. Mary mm-hmm. Margaret Alcote keeps coming mm-hmm. back. So when I sit down to actually reflect on it, yeah. it's like, it's like um, God has been planting all these seeds, and now I'm seeing bouquets, oh, um, which is really, really beautiful. Image. And I'll share more oh. of, the, of that next time. Pam, but, I can't wait for next episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just the I like just the heart. I've always been like a heart person, and so to um, have someone who is devoted to the Sacred Heart, there's a beautiful prayer. Um, that she wrote that next time I'll share. I'm, oh, I'm plugging next time. I'm so um, excited. But no yeah, she's on. been, yeah. she has been um, on my heart a lot. Man, um, I love being lately. Catholic that we have, we have these, uh, this communion of saints. And um, I, for me, it, it's St. Faustina. She was canonized a saint like two weeks before I was confirmed. So I was able to choose her. And just like the divine mercy has just always like popped up. Um, and I ended up getting married on her feast day. Um, and yeah, sometimes I feel like I don't pay as much attention to her as I as I should. But one thing that for us, we have gotten more Catholic in how we name our children. <laughs> like we pay, try to pay a little more attention and try to make sure it's connected to a saint. But it has been really neat to see um, like the lives of the saints and how it is weaving into my children's lives as well. Like Alexandria chose St. Hildegard of Bingen mm. as her confirmation saint last year and or this past year. And Alexandria is extremely creative and um, she's really into art and just She's very, very smart. And St. Hildegard was like all those things, just this brilliant mind. And so it's really cool to see her making those connections um, between the lives of the saints and and her own journey. So we could keep going. I know. But we can't. Um, (laughs) We've gone over. (laughs) But our hope, I think, always in in, uh, when we're we're doing these books and, like I said before, uh, Mickey put together a really beautiful study guide or like reflection book to go along with this book study. So we definitely encourage you to go through that. Or if you have a group of folks, I think there is a, uh, there's a mom's group in the Northeast. Um, shout out to them. I can't remember where you are, but Emily Frazee is con- connected with them. Uh, I think they're reading along with us. Oh, so, that's so, great. so it's really cool to see like the body yeah. of Christ kind of united over this book. And it's not like an Advent study like we've done before, but we're very quickly, you know, entering into to that season. But we hope that this is an encouragement for you. It's an interesting time in the Diocese of Tyler, and I, I really did appreciate that our first episode um, of this study came out when it did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just that reminder to, to really cling to that hope and to see it. And I just think Sister Josephine just articulates this so, so well throughout the book. So we can't plug that enough. Yeah. <laughs> like it really is worth picking up and, and reflecting on it. And so next time we're going to go over chapters 
six, six seven, seven and, and eight, eight. Yeah. yes and it'll be really good and that'll kind of wrap up our year and yeah. we'll head into uh 2024 but yeah anything else that comes to mind before we i don't think so prayer? i think just if i can encourage people to just look at some of those reflection questions and sit with that I think actually they're great reflections um, as we enter into this Advent season, even though they're not specifically Advent related, um, but just uh, that incarnational love that we're called to live and um, what, what better time than to reflect on that than, than as we enter into the Advent season. So I encourage you to at least look at those reflection questions and sit with those um, for a little bit. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Mickey, will you close us with prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful. We are grateful for your presence in our lives, for um, the nearness, uh, your nearness to us, how you're constantly calling us deeper into your heart. We ask that we um, allow ourselves to be receptive to all that it is that you want to give to us, that we trust in you without grasping and without fear that you will provide every necessary grace and need that we need uh, in the moment that we need it. We ask that you also help us to rely on on the saints, the witnesses that are with you in heaven, to guide us in this life of um, trying to have a more intimate relationship with you. But we are, are grateful for your nearness to us. We are grateful for our community. We are grateful for the lives of the saints. And we just ask in all of that, that you um, bring us ever so closer to your sacred heart. We ask all of this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.